0: We were each kind of gathering our own data and not trusting the data and really this, the survey came along at the, the right time because we were both interested in stopping kind of that madness of not trusting data and doing something together.
1: This is Brett Clark and you are listening to Voices from the Field, insights from educators who are positively impacting student learning in the classroom. In this episode, we have three educators from Batavia School District, which is located in the suburbs of Chicago. We have the union leader, the superintendent, and the curriculum director all talking with Mary McDonald, a senior director at the Consortium for Educational Change. The group has been on a labor management collaboration journey for many years. They describe where they are as a district, how far they have come together, and their willingness to continue to build strong relationships that ultimately benefit students.
2: Why don't all of you introduce yourselves and give us a little background about who you are and how long you work with the district and some of your uh, positions that you're in as well.
3: Sure, I'll start. Um, My name is Lisa Hitchens and I'm the superintendent of schools here in Batavia. This is my fifth year as the superintendent. Before that I spent my career at the high school as a teacher, dean, assistant principal, and principal at Batavia High School prior to becoming the superintendent. So um, I think that's an interesting panel that you have here, because we all have our roots as high school teachers at Batavia High School.
4: Yes, I'm still a teacher at Batavia <laughs> High School. I'm Amy Carey, and I am the president of the Batavia Education Association and also an English teacher. I teach half time. Um, And I've been in the district for 15 years. I've been president of the union for four. And prior to that, I was the vice president for three years before that.
0: I'm Brad Newkirk. I'm the chief academic officer here in Batavia. And I was an English teacher, a colleague in the department with Amy. I started there 17 years ago um, and was the department chair, assistant principal, and now chief academic officer for the district.
2: Well, great. No, it's a good good panel for us to sort of dive into this work about. Um, why don't you give us a little history about the working relationships of um, of all of you in Batavia? Sure, I'll
3: um, I'll go back to when I was the principal. And when when you talk about working relationships, I'm assuming we're talking about the union management partnership. I would say it's when I look back at when I was the principal five years ago, six years ago, it's so different now because it was very much just focused on the problem solving, the reactive, here's something that happened and let's figure it out because that's that was really the nature of my relationship with my building reps at that time—it wasn't working together to build better systems for students. It was really, here's a problem, we have to solve this. And I think over the past five years, that has really shifted, and um, our journey in, has included many advisory committees. So you have a lot of AC. AC is the acronym. Just um, many advisory committees. We have the professional learning. We have. CAC, Curriculum and Assessment Advisory Committee, and all these committees, even though some of them were there in NAME before and they were doing good work, now people, I think, see that there's a place for all of the problems to be solved at the level where they should be solved. So if there's an issue related to curriculum, there's a collaborative group um, with our partners that we solve those problems together. So, um, and then, I'm just rambling here, but I'll also say a big piece of it is the relationship between the building reps and their administrators. So they meet very often and they, have, um, they also approach um, their problem solving from, let's own this problem together, if there is a problem to be solved, but they also are proactive and they work together to build systems that make their, um, the experiences great for the teachers and the students. So they, everybody's taking a proactive approach where I didn't see that at all before. Mm
2: -hmm. Lisa, would you give a little uh, information about the size of your system and the community as well? Sure. Um, We serve about 6,000
3: students. We have about 700 staff members. And we have eight schools, one high school, one very large middle school, six elementaries. People say they, that there's community pride probably everywhere you go, but we really mean it in Batavia. Like you look at our water tower, we have a bulldog on it. Um, people, the the mayor tells us that he interviews all the families that come in or many of the families and nine out of 10 families that move to Batavia move here because of the schools. So people have pride, but they also have really high expectations of the school district. And so we feel that, um, you know, as educators, it's, we always have to be improving. Um, to To make sure that people are satisfied and they seem to be satisfied.
2: Okay, great. And Amy, you mentioned something, she mentioned something about uh, union reps or building reps. Mm-hmm. What kind of uh, group of people was that? How many people was that working with?
4: Uh, we have two building reps in every elementary building, and then we have six in our middle school and eight in our high school. And um, one of their uh, responsibilities is to meet with their building principal at least once a month, but many often do more than that. And um, we've been working on, as Lisa said, being proactive rather than reactive and really getting beyond the bread and butter type issues and looking at like, okay, what systems will work better? What um, really benefits our students? What do we want to see? Like, what do we want this to look like? Mm -hmm. And one of the big, big, big cornerstones of um, people feeling like they have a uh, a stake in things and and feeling like they uh, are doing good work is that teacher voice and that educator voice. Um, so part of the proactive nature is rather than yeah just kind of wallowing in a problem or you know <laughs> admiring a problem. What we like to do is if there are issues, we definitely deal with those issues and we deal with them in a proactive, collaborative way. But then we look at, okay, what's causing these issues? Are there systems-wide things that we can do to make those better? Are there other ways where we can work together to fix those? And I think what's been nice about over the last four or five years, the shift in this, um, I think, is the fact that both the administration and the union leadership see the value in having some teacher voice and having real teacher voice, and not just "Hey, we you know want to get your opinion, thanks for your opinion, now we're gonna do whatever we felt like doing." Mm-hmm. So I think that, that there's a lot of there's a lot more trust because of that because these um, you know Lisa was talking about the acts we have, CAC and PLAC and ATTACK <laughs> are our acronyms for those, which I know they sound ridiculous <laughs> when you say them out loud. Um, but those those groups are very um, representative where there are usually half teachers, half administrators, attack, which is the administration teacher advisory council. And that is truly just created to make proactive, hey, we've got issues going on, we have things, let's, let's figure out how to have productive conversations around them and, and get out ahead of things. That is mostly teacher, it's like, almost two to one teachers to admin because there's good representation from each building. So I think that's a super positive Mm -hmm. step.
0: And I would say that a lot of our conversations, I started this role, you know, seven years ago. And when I first started, a lot of our conversations with our association partners were about, you know, missing a, a 30 minute lunch or, you know, kind of the nuts and bolts of some union contracts. And what I've seen change Uh, in the last four years probably especially is the conversation is really centered on teaching and learning issues. So what is going on with our curriculum? How can we improve instruction in our classrooms together? What supports do teachers need in dealing with standards changes that have changed very rapidly? How do we cope with assessments that have changed pretty rapidly and extremely within our state? So those types of, of pieces have really become probably the dominant part of our conversations and some of those other things are being solved at the building level and uh, through those relationships that are built um, at the building level or the site level.
4: Can I add something to that too? Cause I think Brad, it's absolutely true. And even to expand on the teaching and learning stuff, a lot of the focus recently has been on the social, emotional needs of our kids too. So um, we've really looked at, okay, what do, what do our kids need both academically and um, to be supported so that they are in a good place to learn and we've worked with that too so it's it's really student focused and I know hold child is a is an old-fashioned term (laughs) we've talked about that but it really is focused on the whole student sure
2: no good and I know part of the the work at Batavia, you've had a history of at least trying to work in some kind of collaborative relationship uh, at all levels, I think, at the su- school level, district level, and so forth. Um, but at some point, it sounds like you were looking for a little, like, like a booster shot or some help in some fashion. So Lisa, can you explain a little bit about where what that started to do for you? Yeah, I
3: think that um, to go back again, maybe we would in, the, in our past get something during one of our joint meetings like the teachers are fearful or the teachers feel like they have no voice in the system and that's frustrating to get general um, feedback without any actionable, you know, something to I'm a problem solver I like to solve problems so I need something a little bit more specific so I think we were looking not that we didn't trust that that wasn't happening but you know there were people collecting data in silos so maybe the BEA would give a survey give a survey to try to understand what this teacher voice problem was and maybe we would do some things and it was they were in silos so we knew that jointly we had to figure out um, our areas for improvement what were the teachers really thinking Um, I think about a classroom and you you know that the you know we don't let our teachers just say oh i think the kids are learning their math it really seems like they are so when we say we think we're being collaborative it really seems like we are we don't like that's one piece of monitoring you know what what we're seeing but we also needed some data and some actionable data so that's where that survey came in and I think it came in at just the right time because we all committed to collaboration we said this is one of our three pillars here in the district when you look at our strategic plan and it's we don't want it to be something on paper so we needed to get some feedback from teachers that we all agreed to give the survey together and process the results together.
2: So you're talking about the Rutgers and Cornell University research survey on that studied the impact of this collaborative partnership?
3: Right, that's exactly what I was talking about where we, we knew that we needed to jointly um, give a survey, and so that's
2: the one that we selected. So what did you learn from that survey? How did you use that information?
0: Well, just to, you know, to kind of reiterate with what Dr. Hitchens said is that we wanted to take a look at what collaboration was like, but we were really doing that in isolated silos and we weren't trusting the data that others were gathering. So there were some things thrust upon us by the state, we weren't interested in using those, that didn't have any value to us. We were each kind of gathering our own data and not trusting the data. And really, this the survey came along at the, the right time because we were both interested in stopping kind of that madness of not trusting data and doing something together. So that was something that we could really look to, to say are we living up to what we believe uh, here in Batavia and that um, the results themselves have been starting points for discussions and continuous improvement. So I think that that um, really helped fulfill a need a need that i don't think is unique to batavia i think there are are lots of um, there's lots of data being gathered and there's lots of data not being trusted but it's really about finding what vehicle and are you going to use to collaborate around what's that third point that you can all agree on that's going to really help get improve the system
2: so all of your schools were involved in this uh, taking the survey correct and all staff yes Yes. yeah did you have certified staff as well as Classified staff or not?
0: In our first year, we had all staff, including classified staff, take the survey um, because that wasn't benchmarked. We have stopped doing right. it with our classified staff, and it's just our certified staff in our second year of administration.
2: Okay. So, what do you think were the top key points that you uh, you found most beneficial to kind of work off of data points?
4: I think that um, it broke things down into categories and by school in ways where we could look at the data and see, okay, what schools had strong relationships between the union and the administration? What schools um, had good cultures where people felt safe and supported and had what they needed? And then the ones that didn't feel that way it broke it down so that we could really start to look at without accusing anybody or, you know, like playing the blame game or or doing any, um, like, oh, we're gonna bring you in and tell you what you need to do. It, It really mostly started a conversation where we could talk, first we would talk at our level, like, okay, BEA and admin, how do we wanna to talk about this with the school leadership teams and how do how do we want to take action around it. And then we could bring that to the schools in a non-threatening way. And in ways where they didn't have to compare themselves to other places, they could just work on the stuff that they needed to work on, which I think has been super helpful. Who did you bring
2: together at the schools to have these conversations?
4: Um, I know every school has a school leadership team, mm-hmm. which is... Uh, combination of administrators and and teacher leaders. And they went through the data and talked about what goals they wanted to set and what things they had to work on. And that was helpful.
3: And and we also asked them to share it out with the rest of their staff after they had processed it as a leadership team. So that was a nice, um, it, it was nice to be able to say, we need you to process this. We need to, you to set your action plans and to communicate it with the rest of your staff without us having to say exactly what they needed to work on. The good news is we, we really do have um, a very extremely committed staff. So everybody, when they identify a problem, is going to work towards the solution. And so we're not worried that they're going to just, you know, push this aside and say, oh, we're, we're good, we don't need to work on this. Everybody has something that they can work on. And so this was a great tool to give them and then I would add at the at that attack group, the administrator teacher advisory council. So we tackled um, one of the specific um, points on the survey. showed that all of the teachers viewed the administrator union, the union management relationship, in a much more positive light than we did. The administrators and, and the, the actual union, reps. union people. <laughs> and so we had everybody in the room, and we're like, okay, the good news is everybody thinks that things are going really well, but relatively speaking, we're not doing so well in this area, is why, why do you think we rated our own relationships lower than what other people see. Um, and we had some actionable things that came out of that. So the first was just that recommitment to interest-based problem solving. So when there's a problem, we're solving it together. It's not the laundry list of here are things that yeah. you know, need to be solved by you or you. It was, we're gonna solve this together. So the interest-based
4: problem solving was one piece of
3: it. And then, um, were you gonna say something oh, to that? I
4: was just gonna say, we actually, Trained all of our uh, reps and building principles on interest-based problem solving because we know how to do it from bargaining and right. from you know from other things. But it's a very small number of people who had those tools. Right. So that was something that was like I think the most directly positive actionable step in the first round. I agree. Yeah.
0: And we're continuing that work because you know part of really getting into interest-based problem solving is having hard conversations with one another. So this year our focus is on training that group to have those hard conversations, because it's not intuitive, it's not always easy, but it's really necessary if you're gonna be honest with one another and truly engage in collaborative problem solving. So we've had a a couple of rounds of training, and I feel each one has given us a better basis for true problem solving and not just being nice to each other.
4: Yeah, and also this is the second year we've done the Rutgers survey, so we could compare, okay, what was it like in individual buildings the first year versus this year? And um, we had one building that had uh, like more negative culture than the first year, and most of the other ones were either the same or higher. So we talked to the leadership team at that particular building, and we're really like, okay, so what do we need to do here? What do we want to do here? And we set up some um, kind of special, (laughs) I don't know, special is the right word, but we set up some meetings to really tackle that and to figure out, okay, so what, we don't need to like necessarily say like, okay, whose fault is this or anything? We don't want to do that at all, but what we want to do is say, okay, what's the state of things here? How do we make this better? So I right. Thought that it's was not. Super helpful. That's a
3: good example of. Um, this year, we one school did need extra attention, and it wasn't um, in a punitive way. It was, and it's very much not at the building level, us versus them. We added that third person who is the data. So it's us, the two groups together, versus the data. How are we going to, you know, change our this is how we're perceiving our culture. It's not one person's fault. It's not one group's fault. It's everybody looking at this data and saying, all right, let's fix this together. Mm -hmm.
2: How do you think this impacts how students learn in your district? In these last couple years, you've had this this work around using the, the Rutgers survey data, among other kinds of data, I assume,
3: I think that our relationships now are more focused on the proactive. Like Amy talked about, we're able to focus on social emotional um, systems for students that we're partnering with, you know, the union. And these are the things we're working on instead of our laundry list Mm -hmm. of you know, issues to be solved. When we, you know, we're still having some problems to be solved, but really being able to spend time focused on academics and social emotional supports for students with the union partner, the management and labor working together on this is
4: the right work. Well, when you take the data from Rutgers, and I'm thinking about that school in particular, and then look at the data and then drill down into, okay, what's accounting for that data? One of the big themes was a a feeling of, it was like support around student discipline. And I'm sure some of that is related to SB 100 and changes and you know things like we're growing and cha- mm-hmm. things are different, right? Um, but I think it was, what ends up happening is you look at this data from Rutgers and then once we actually talk about it, we see like, okay, what are the student support things that it, it almost always is related to learning or the culture and climate and how, you know, much that affects student learning so there's always sort of that going back to how do you make it so that everything's working the best way it can for the kids. And
2: meant, you mentioned Senate Bill 100, can you just explain what that is for oh, everyone sorry. else to understand?
4: Oh, <laughs> uh, Senate Bill 100 is a, a bill around uh, student discipline and it's actually a, a, I think a very positive bill in the sense that it uh, it's intended to change the way we look at discipline and not have like school to prison pipeline kind of stuff so really look at kind of what's causing it and do restorative practices and things that are are much better for students but it always causes a lot of um, I don't know fear at least at first for teachers in the classroom because there's that feeling that okay we can never you know uh, have a student have an a suspension if they're doing something. You know what I mean? There's a lot of of feelings that, oh I'm not going to be supported or I'm not going to have I'm going to have this kid back in my classroom if they're doing these behaviors or whatever. (laughs) And we really had to change the focus of that like thought process and the (laughs) conversation and that's not actually true either. I mean there is support if a student does something dangerous that they they would get a cons- consequence that's appropriate and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, it's a big shift in how we look at discipline. And so there's a lot of unease around it. And there's a lot of different interpretations. At first, when you kind of make your way and then figure out, all right, well, this is what it really means and this is how we're really gonna implement it. And there has to be a lot of collaboration where people feel, okay, I'm, I'm gonna get support from my admin if I have this issue. and. Yeah. That sort of thing.
0: The research is really clear. You know, our theory of action is based on research. And the research is very clear that teachers make a difference for kids. Mm -hmm. And if we don't have teachers who feel like they have voice, if they are not empowered to solve problems, then we don't have the best teachers that are working with our kids. So to me, it's a really kind of simple logic chain is that we want to empower our teachers, we want to have the best teachers possible because they're going to be doing the best work with our kids. And I think that that is kind of the piece that has really driven us to this point. And Dr. Hitchens has been very clear in her leadership is that that's a priority, is making sure that each kid has that quality teacher. And it's not that we don't have quality, but we know that teachers who feel empowered to solve problems who are a part of that decision-making in a true, genuine way, as Amy said, that it's shared decision-making, those teachers are more likely to stay in our system, they're more likely to feel good about their job, and they're more likely to, to really solve the, the problems and the complexities of student learning. So I think it, that's kind of what we've tried to focus on in the past four years, and this has just helped us kind of measure the progress in that area.
4: I always think it's kind of funny because Danielson, the Danielson model that we are evaluated on as teachers, the, the excellent part of Danielson is empowering your students so that they're having more control over their learning and they're, they have more voice and, and that they're doing more of the work, right? So it's the same with, I feel like, admin and mm-hmm. teachers and all layers of this where it's like when you empower people to have some ownership in things, they do a better job. No, great. Well
2: thank you for your efforts on all of this. What you're trying to do I think we're learning from you and and other districts like yours where the the adults in the system are trying to find ways to work in more collaborative ways with with the adults so that actually the students can actually focus on the learning as well. And I think you're right we're all human beings and whether we're adults or children we're all sort of trying to figure out how we work together and play together better. So thank you so very much. I appreciate um, you spending some time with us today.
1: Thanks,
2: Mary.
1: Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. That was the Batavia Labor Management Team discussing how working together impacts student learning and success within their school system. Any school or district interested in learning more about the National Labor Management Collaboration Survey can visit the CEC website at cecweb.org backslash lmc underscore survey.